This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Aaron, I just can't take it anymore. Uh, uh, so, um, in the name of the Beastie Boys, I demand that you not take it anymore. Well, I... I just want to sit down at a restaurant and have bottomless chips and salsa. That's all I want in this life. Oh, that sounds so good. I know. What has happened to us? We're finding what really matters in our lives. Like quarantine has helped us soul search. And what we found is Mm. that being waited on, like the royalty we are, is what we need. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really all that I found is that I like, to spend money and eat food. like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Same. There's been no personal growth here. Um, <laughs> but I did go to drag brunch this morning. That was a blast. I was taking a depression coma or I would have joined y'all. I know. But there's but one tomorrow, depression- right? There's one tomorrow, eight o'clock. It's 420. It's Snoop Dogg and uh, Martha Stewart. I'm so excited. <laughs> Maybe I'll attend that one. So for everyone listening, when this comes out, I'm sorry you missed it. Yes. But. Both. But if you go to facebook.com slash you can see all of their events that are coming up. And they're doing like virtual drag like once or twice a week. And then they're doing like special ones like for. 420 they're doing a special one probably i would assume for cinco de mayo at some point right maybe i hope (laughs) but yeah drag brunch this morning was broadway themed and i sang in my apartment so loudly and so badly it's just me getting back at my neighbors for being so loud all the time (laughs) um i'll be like a cat dying next door. <laughs> was it you who said that when the power was going on and off, that your neighbor was like taking it personally, like it was an attack against him? What the fuck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, that's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Perfect. It's delightful. And I'm also like, I'm trying to really get all the bad energy out of my apartment because I'm going to end up staying here another year. And um, so like I'm really into like purging stuff and I'm redoing my whole bedroom for reasons that some people would think are crazy. So I'm not going to say why. But I know the reasons and I don't think they're crazy. You don't have to say why, but just know that I get you. So I ordered new bed stuff, new sheets, pillows, everything. Um, I ordered a new bed frame, so I'm getting rid of the old one. Um, I'm keeping everything else because I have some like antique furniture and stuff that was my grandparents in there. So I'm keeping that, but, um, yeah, it's all coming in the next week and I should have everything set up and then I'm going to sage the fuck out of that room and throw everything away and start over. I'm very excited. That is spring cleaning on a spiritual level. It is. Additionally, I think. It came today. I'm very excited. What? What came today? My sage spray. Because I don't want to do smoke in the apartment because my smoke detectors. But Oh, right. Um, I have to say your sweatshirt looks super cozy. And I'm jealous. Um, and representing the wine and crime. Yeah. Uh, well, 
I felt like in the name of what I'm going to cover in this movie and then what I'm going to cover on Patreon later, fucking patriarchy really says it all. That seems appropriate in almost any situation. Um, so. Also, thanks, Karen, for the sweatshirt. So how have you been? Tell me something good. I just told you, like, two good things. Well, yeah, but, like, that's, like, future Aaron. I want to know what happened this week that was good to Aaron. I guess Drag Brunch, that happened this week. Drag Brunch was good to Aaron. I I told y'all, I was like, I haven't had this much human contact in over a month, and I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> but it was great. Um... How about you? Tell me something good from your castle. I'm I'm really struggling with that. It's been a it's been a week. Um, I it's finally hit me like because I am and we've talked about this a lot, but I'm such a super extrovert that I've been holding out, but like being home completely alone with just the dogs. I'm at the point of making them like outfits and giving them backstories, um, and I know that I'm spiraling. And so when Sarah came home from work on like Wednesday, I guess it was, I literally just curled up with my head in her lap and cried because I'm so oh. lonely. Um, I am too. And Ugh, like, the worst. and everyone keeps offering like, you know, I'm down to Zoom or Skype whenever, and it is so appreciated. Like, I cannot tell people how much I appreciate that they're willing to to sacrifice their time to help me out. But it's not the same as like human interaction. You know, like I would much rather me and you be able to record this podcast in the same room. And I've always thought that because the Skype call is not the same. I know it would be so fun. Well, maybe if I end up moving in the next few years or something, we'll see. You know, I keep telling you, I've got an extra house. We have to remodel it. No, uh, <laughs> I, oh my gosh. So I listened, I thought of you the other day and I meant to text you, but I forgot. I was listening to Zealot, uh-huh. the podcast, and they were talking about Jared Leto. Oh yeah. yeah. He's from this area. Yes, he is. He's from the area that you live and teach in. And so I thought it was interesting and also they just mispronounced the name of your town so badly it was amazing you know in louisiana it's always a shot in the dark oh yeah what my favorite thing to do is to have people pronounce things on the the map of the hill country Uh uh-huh it's fun well i mean y'all already do it big with bear county so you can't get better than that I have a coworker who moved here from California, no shit, and she still calls it Bexar because she's like, I just, it doesn't make sense in my head. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, because California is known for so many sensible things. <laughs> mm. I'm holding her personally responsible, apparently. Um, oh, so. Look, right now, somebody tweeted a meme or sent a meme out on Facebook or something, and it's true. Because right now, like, New York, California, they're all staying in their houses, avoiding contact, et cetera. And it's us assholes in the Midwest and the South that are like, we're going to go outside and be together to protest being told to stay inside. Right? Well, and I'm looking around at all the people who are protesting. I'm like, when has your ass ever gone outside? 
<laughs> like you're suddenly a mountain man. <laughs> like, well, and then yesterday, cause they had a, a gathering in Austin yesterday, like 200 people show up. How many people live in Texas? Like a hundred zillion, 200 Roughly, people yeah. show up. Yeah. 200 <laughs> people show up and they, sh- they announced a new story. Like, Governor Abbott is very concerned and moved by the protesters. And I'm like, did you drink some of that inauguration juice? Listen, (laughs) we all know Governor Abbott's going to say whatever he can to get reelected. He's going to be on... It's not going to go well for him. He's going to be on every side right now. Um. By the way, so my not, little, if you live in Texas, do not vote for that man. Jesus H. My little brother called me yesterday, by the way, and he was like, Paul, I'm really mad at you. And I was like, I don't even know what I fucking did this time. Usually, like, I'll take ownership. <laughs> I'm sure I did it. And I was like, what did I do? And he goes, so I've been catching up on old episodes of Lifetime Sentence, which I didn't realize he, like, still listened, um, which is super sweet. He goes... Every time I say something out loud in response to Aaron, you say the same thing in the same inflection. So fuck <laughs> you. We're not the same person. <laughs> Speaking of. Okay. You can tell, you tell him you, he can send us, he can send me his comments in a separate like voice file. I'll listen to them. Perfect. Totally uh, speaking of, <laughs> this is Lifetime Sentence and I'm Paul. Yeah. And I'm Aaron. And Aaron watched, apparently, a fucking incredible movie this week. Y'all, this shit is bonkers. And it really plucked a nerve. And I would say deep, deep down inside me, but it's not a nerve that's very deep down inside me. (laughs) With some just religious nonsense. So, let's get into it. This week I watched... I killed my BFF, which I think was supposed to be a series of movies, but there's only two. <laughs> well, and then wasn't there a TV series? I think there was a TV series too. Yeah. Um, this one is the preacher's daughter. Dun dun dun. Yeah, it stars Megan West. She plays Lily. She's from This Is Us. Okay. And how to get away with murder. Oh, so she's like been in big stuff. Mm-hmm. She's like it looks like currently on This Is Us. Um Carly Pope, she plays Ray. I recognize this um, name. Yeah, she was in Popular, the TV show that was on for a while. Was that MTV? I don't remember. Okay. But she was also in Double Holiday with Christopher Palaha from Hallmark's Lineup, ah, which, okay. Which was a pretty, it was a good, good movie. Yeah. I love Christopher Palaha. He's on deck the Hallmark all the time. Yes. And I talked to him on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> I remember you telling me about that. He's a cool dude. That makes Aaron he, the most famous person on this podcast so far. That's right. Um, then we have Matthew James Ballinger, which Sounds like a serial killer's name. Right? <laughs> Don't go by three names. By the way, I go by all my three names. I know you do. <laughs> um, he plays John. He's from The Deuce, uh, Limitless, and Girls. He was in Girls. Ah, fancy. Mm. 
Joel Gretsch, he has a name, but I just call him Preacher because he sucks. Um, he was in Minority Report. Okay. The four, four the 4,400. Okay. National Treasure. Okay. And Lifetime Smash Hit, A Father's Nightmare. <laughs> That's actually my biopic. It's about a boy whose dad was an athlete and instead the son goes on to play violin. Oh, it's so my ep- it's my episode of The Royals that we're going to cover in just a little bit. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh finally we have Catherine Reese. She plays Scarlet. Um she was in Rise, um The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Who was she and Kimmy Schmidt? Do you happen to know? Simone. Simone. Oh, okay. She didn't play a big part. And she's in that show that keeps popping up all the time, Claws. Huh. Well, then. We open on a church chapel with people fighting in distorted voices while the camera zooms in on different parts of the church. Then there's a gunshot and a teenage girl screaming and covered in blood. What an opening. Lifetime got real artsy with this one. Look, this is peak Lifetime. It is absolutely absurd and I loved it. This is like when Lifetime was embracing the carnivalesque. Mm-hmm. There's flyover video of a bridge and woods and we flash back to six months earlier. We're at the same church. The preacher is preaching about losing weight for reasons. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows about the book of Second Corinthians that says fatties go straight to hell because gravity's heavier. <laughs> Second Corinthians. <laughs> I'm deceased. I don't think anyway. I can take credit from that. I think that's a Medea quote. The second yeah. Corinthians, not the fatties go to hell. That one's all me. <laughs> um, then he talk. Oh no! Then we see a hand, a woman's hand, because she's wearing a wedding ring. <laughs> um, digging through a drawer with pills and a flask inside of it. Oh, everyone's got the communal pill and flask drawer at church. Listen, I read an article this weekend about a woman who says that she was saved by the coronavirus because her husband fed her a communion cracker before she went to bed. What is a communion cracker? They're wafers. Exactly. Was bitch, was that just a club cracker he prayed over? Like one saltine? It's not called a Maybe the, I don't even go to church anymore, and I know that. <laughs> well, listen, maybe she meant she was saved not just from coronavirus, but also for all of eternity. And so she just doesn't know the verbiage yet. <laughs> I've never seen a bigger bullshit face from you than in that moment. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So the preacher talks about porn. Oh, like good. Do. Well, yeah, losing weight so you can look good in porn. So then you can tithe 10%. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Am I going to hell now? Uh, in this in this same group that I was the article was in, there was there's people like screenshot stuff and post it that they're super crazy religious friends and family oh, yeah. posts on Facebook. And so it was like, don't forget to tithe 10% of your stimulus check. Um, I think God will forgive that one because Congress says that's going to last us all 10 weeks. Yeah. And then um, below it was like Trevor Noah who was talking about, I think it's really interesting that, you know, everyone's doing virtual church and not like not showing up physically in church because guess who else doesn't show up physically? God. <laughs> oh. Oh. But um, anyway, so in that one about tithing, somebody was like, uh, so the, like, do the arms not reach? That's why they need people to come to church physically because the arms doesn't, don't of the coffer doesn't reach all the way to people's houses. Right. Right. And I was like, I just responded. I was like, God needs a Venmo. My church has a my church has a PayPal. See, like, in fact, we tithe automatically. Like, we have it auto withdrawn because I'll forget to write my check every month. And um, God knew that I was stupid, so He put me in a church that had that ability. <laughs> <laughs> what is this on your bank statement? Mm, so God won't kill me. <laughs> So God is basically the mob. Okay. It's anyway. called forgiveness. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the woman at the desk pours the entire bottle of pills into her hands and takes them. And then she drinks the flask. Yep. New communion. Yeah. Preacher talks about people coming back to God, being sick and tired of pain, etc., which is an interesting juxtaposition with the woman attempting suicide and the corresponding shots. Right. <laughs> um, also, the cross in this church is hung kind of sideways. I would, it's like cattywampus, but I don't, I know people don't all know the name of the, how, what that means. Right, right. Off kilter. So it's like, it's like, crooked it's at an angle and yeah. i'm like i was taught that that means this is a bad church yeah <laughs> <We> shouldn't be here <laughs> no um later he tells one of the parishioners um that he's just oh i'm sorry no after church they do a receiving line with the pastor his daughter and his son who does not enjoy church he tells one of the parishioners that he's just been quote smoking weed in his room which I'm not going to judge, but from my experience at church, that's one of those things you do, but you don't talk about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so somebody asks after the mom and the daughter goes inside to find mom and finds her dead upstairs. So I guess they're all home now. They left the church and went home, but didn't like acknowledge that. Okay. It's all fine. Um, so we are back in the present, which you can tell because of the very rebellious music playing. <laughs> Perfect. There's a party. People are snort snorting cocaine and smoking. 
when the lady throwing the party's daughter comes in and yells at her mom for being a very bad example. Then the daughter finds people upstairs in her room hooking up on her bed. Just cash. Yep. I was like, uh, what the fuck? (laughs) So the girl, Scarlet, packs a bag and leaves. So mom throws everyone out. Um, back at Preacher's house, his daughter is getting ready for school, I guess. But no, it's not because they are some age that is not high school, but not grown enough to leave home. Maybe they're at junior college. No, I don't think so. They seem to be older than that. We'll get, we'll, we'll, mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Oh, her, I just noted here, her closet is super monochromatic. Everything is, like, white and beige. Perfect. The mm. color of purity. She a Mormon? <laughs> I can't even hear that word without rolling my eyes. I'm sorry. I know. Um, she feeds her dad some breakfast, which is cute. And her dad calls her chicken, which is what I call my little sorority babies. Uh, <laughs> But her name, this is Lily. Um, she references back to a time where she was making, quote, big mistakes. And I was like, hmm, interesting. But then her dad is like, now it's your brother we have to worry about. And on cue, he pulls up in a motorcycle that party mom is driving. Good. Good. Party mom says brother just had some trouble last night at the bar and she didn't want him to drive. Preacher calls Ray, who is party mom, a whore, which seems presumptuous since he just saw her through the window. Okay. Yep. It's not, that is not how preachers should talk. Nope. Um, but it's how most of them do. Um, Brill says preacher's ego is just insane. Um, and it's only gotten worse since... Oh, so later he's talking to Lily about it. He says that Preacher's ego is insane. It's just gotten worse since their mom died. Um, he says he has to get, they have to get out from under their dad. But Lily says she doesn't want to go because she likes it there. And she kisses his head and leaves. So bro pulls out a gun, holds it to his temple and pulls the trigger. Whoa. But it's thankfully not loaded. I don't like Russian roulette at all. Cut to Lily teaching a Bible study at the church. Okay, so we find out later she's the youth minister. Okay. It's very confusing. Um, her partner, um, Todd, asks if she's into, quote, to Eternal Path, which is that a real Christian band? Not anyone I've ever heard of. They play, because they played at Trinity which is a real thing. Yeah. Last August. And he has two tickets and Lily is like completely zoned out. And when he touches her shoulder to make sure she's okay, she like smacks him in the arm and then is like, I'm sorry. And then she leaves. (laughs) And so she's in her room doing research for her Bible study. And her room is decorated exactly like mine was when I was in high school. Perfect. Perfect. Is this your story? Uh, no. Uh, um, 
Her dad comes in to patriarch the fuck out of her about making sure God is in the driver's seat with her Bible study. Blah, blah, blah. And then he leaves to go fight with her brother. And so Lily pulls out old pictures of herself as a bad girl who drinks and smokes and has sex. And she thinks about her old life while her brother Jason and Preacher argue in the background. Later, she goes upstairs to hang out with her brother a little, who is going out. And she says, it sounds like fun. And so her brother encourages her to come with him and actually have fun for a change. So Lily goes with him and meets Ray. And again, this is where I asked for the first time, how old are these people? Um, twenty sixteen. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. For real, like I know time has no meaning anymore, but I thought linear time still had a meaning. Nah. Listen, I told Sarah yesterday that there are only three days, as far as I'm concerned, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it's been that way for 40 days. So, Jason goes to get drinks and um, Ray and Lily get to know each other a little. Um, Lily starts telling Ray about her old life and Ray's like, "Uh uh-huh, you? No, no. (laughs) Um. And look, it's my organized religion rage. Welcome to the show. Okay, I'm going to let you go on, and I'm going to take a lap around the house real quick. Lily starts explaining that she was dating some dude who was 27 when she was 16, which is disgusting and rapey. Uh-huh. But that's not what my rage is about at this moment. Right. Um, we can come back to that. She got pregnant... So her mom drove her to Illinois to have the procedure. Oh, good. Are they Southern? You know, we can't address anything by its real name. It's like the coronavirus. What do we call it down here? Everything that's going on. Yeah, and all this. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Then when her dad found out, it almost killed him. Or he almost killed them. Potato, potato, nobody knows. Oh, my God. And so that's when she realized she was out of control and decided to follow God. Cool, 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 I really get so enraged by hypocritical people. Not that Lily is hypocritical, but her parents, like, Right. Who? uh, Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh Uh-huh. Just no. They're sending mixed messages for sure. Yeah. It's like it's we're all pro-life and we, you know, what happens happens or whatever. Except when it's going to make me look bad to my congregation because it's my daughter. Right. Exactly. Zero stars. Do not recommend. Okay. Um, so Ray asks her if it was hard to let go of her old life. And she's like, yeah, sort of. So that's when John comes back with a diet Coke and for Lily and beers for, um, the the other two. And they decide to go to a club where Ray encourages Lily to dance, which is a big old sin. Only if they're Baptist or like 
you know, several very conservative groups, but not everybody. Gonna get there. Okay. Okay. Then Ray convinces her to have shots, which is awesome. Oh, that's, that's out of line. (laughs) Then they dance some more. And then Ray gives her drugs, which is also a sin. And then there's a whole montage of Lily writhing all over herself, which is just great. The next morning, Jason tells Ray that he's, that she's the real reason not to kill himself, which no, no. I'd be like, you need to go see a therapist. Come with me. Um, Come with me and you'll be in a world of mental health evaluations. (laughs) Love it. Um, (laughs) So they're fooling around, and then Jason says he has something fun for them to do and holds up a baggie of I don't know what. We'll find out later what it is. Um, I have two guesses at this point. I thought it was either crystal meth or um, heroin because people are very high and mighty about drugs and which drugs are just bad drugs. Like, there's regular drugs and then there's bad drugs. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Um Ray is like, no way, I don't do that anymore, etc. And then we cut to Lily in her bed. She missed Bible study, <gasps> which is the biggest sin of all. Oh, no. At dinner later, Preacher tells Lily that this could be, quote, the flood for them. After dinner, Lily goes to a party with Ray and John again. Um... The next night, she sneaks out again, but her dad catches her. She lies that she won't be out late, that she's going to meet her Bible study partner. Is this guy named Jason or John? Because I have been using two names throughout all these notes. There's no way to know. Jay. Jay. She, um, so Preacher, like, it's like, can I get a kiss goodbye? And I was like, ew. Yeah, no, I'm busy that day, dude. And then he's like, oh, you're wearing perfume. And I'm like, that's your daughter, sir. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you ever watch Live PD? No. One of the hosts on there, I was creeping on his Instagram. Um, because, for reasons... Um, I, cause I don't want to say which host it is cause it's talking real bad about them, but somebody commented on their do- on his daughter and how like, she's a perfect 10. And he was like, I know, right? Every dad should think their daughter's a 10. And I'm like, I, I know. I, I don't agree. agree with that. <laughs> I'm real uncomfortable by this post and I will never it's creep on someone's one that voted for Trump. <laughs> I'm just like, I will never um, creep on Instagram again. Like, I've learned my lesson. Yeah, I creeped on um, uh, Joe Kinda, not the man, the Oh, the actor? actor? Yeah. And he's a big old MAGA. Oh. Oh. It ruined that it all re- for me. Oh. Young Joe Kinda is, mm, Yeah. It's a sad day. Okay. So at the club, she's dancing while Jason is snorting stuff in the bathroom. Like you do. Um, Later at Ray's house, her dad texts her to invite Ray and Jason over for dinner. What is this guy's name? (laughs) Oh, 
god. I'm such a dummy. Um, he wants to invite them over for dinner so they can be a family. Um, Jason John is passed out. And Ray tells Lily all the, how, about how she's two different people. Um, good grief. Um, type A, etc. And then, but underneath, she's like a bad girl, you know. Right. The right. next morning, John Jason is snorting up, and Lily invites him to dinner. At dinner, God, welcome back, religious rage. Glad to have you with us. Um, Ray and. Jason John sit at preacher's table. <laughs> John Jason Jingleheimer Schmidt. Na, 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 na. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. Um, um, they sit at his table and make out, which I will admit seems inappropriate. I mean, if your dad's a preacher, you know he doesn't like that stuff. Like, just don't touch each other while you're in his house. Right. You know? Um. But also, the more inappropriate thing in this scenario is Preacher asking Ray to pray, even though she says she's not religious. Yeah. Yeah. He likes her to pray, and I was like, mm, I don't like that. Listen, coercion is not actually a good um, conversion tactic. Well... This preacher is not good at conversion at all. Um, he brings... A, oh, so then he brings up Scarlet, Ray's daughter. Oh, I was like, Johansson? <sighs> but I got your attention. Um, <laughs> I looked up. And asked, how is it that her daughter ended up living with someone else? None of your fucking business. Dot com. <laughs> After Ray sidesteps and says that she feels that it's probably better for where she is, for her where she's living, um, preacher laughs at her. Nope. Lectures John, Jason, and Ray about living for themselves. And this is where I take a stab at his. Um, denomination, which I think is Southern Baptist. Okay. Um, then Jason brings up Lily's abortion and their mother's suicide. And I'm like, this whole family needs a therapy app. And if you are a therapy app and want a, us to say your name in one of these episodes, please email us at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. <laughs> then the preacher blames mom's death on John Jason and tells him, quote, if you want to step off the deep end, then do it. Um, I don't think they're talking Lady Gaga here. No. And I, this is like not only bad advice for a preacher to be giving, but really bad advice for any per one to be giving. Yes. Just, yeah, don't say that to people. Okay. Unless you're Lady Gaga. And then do what you want. Um, so Ray and Jason leave. I don't know what this guy's name is. <laughs> uh, Jason John starts driving too fast. 
and starts digging for drugs in the glove compartment while Ray tries to get him to A, hold on to the steering wheel, and B, not do drugs while he's driving. At home, Preacher and Lily are fighting. Lily screams that they all feel trapped. And then the phone rings. Lily picks it up. And we cut to Lily and Preacher sitting in the hospital holding hands. I googled it for you. It's Jason. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I literally typed different names like throughout this whole thing. I, mm. Every J name you can think of. James, John, Jackson, with an X. Jalen. <laughs> so this is another issue I have. So the Lily and her father are sitting in the hospital holding hands, but they're not holding hands like you hold with a family member like this. Are they finger sliced? Like this. Aaron, what the hell did you watch? <laughs> um, so the doctor comes out and tells them that Jason died in surgery. Um, the doctor says that Ray called 911 after she pulled him out of the water and that Ray is awake and stable and they can go visit her. So Lily goes in to see her and they cried together. Lily asks why she was there. And once again, I have no idea what's happening. How do they know where this all went down? Literally all the doctor said was, he died in surgery. And that Ray pulled him out. And I'm like, from where? What happened? Right. Um, so Ray cries that she is done with all this partying, etc. And how much she misses her daughter and how she wants to make her life right. And asks Lily to help her get Scarlet back. So the next day, Lily picks up Scarlet from school. Casual. Stranger picking up yeah. the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't send strangers to pick up your children? Child? No. Oh my God. Have you ever, you know, the guy that uh, does the stand up comedy with like no shirt on and he has the Russian story? Yes. <laughs> have you heard his bit about teaching his kids or his kids coming home and demanding they have a password in case somebody else needs to make it up or needs to pick them up? Uh-huh. And his kids are like, oh, that's not, that's not weird. It needs to be really something that we, that nobody would ever say to a child because like strangers can make up words. And so they make their password motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> He does have to send a friend to go pick him up. And like his youngest daughter has been waiting for this day, like her whole life. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not getting in your car unless you tell me the password. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's so funny. Um, so anyway, Scarlet comments on how weird it is that Lily is friends with her mom. And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> um, and they go to Ray's house and they go upstairs to see Ray. Lily just gives her John's, John Jason's truck. Um, and then leaves them to talk things out. She's like, here's my brother's truck. I was like, I know. Mm-hmm. That's what I mm-hmm. would do. Question mark. Sure. <laughs> Um, so Ray asks Scarlett for forgiveness and Scarlett's like, 
you're not very good at changing. And Scarlet says that Nolan, the boyfriend she's been living with, is horrible and she wants to move home. Okay. Um, they lightly hug since Ray is like injured. Um, Preacher is brooding because Jason was on heroin when he died. He tells Lily that Ray poisoned him. So Ray poisoned Jason John? Mm-hmm. With heroin. With heroin. I, I can't wait to tell you about my case today. <laughs> so when he drank the antifree. Right? <laughs> right? God. Um, okay. So... Oh, and then he says he doesn't want Ray in his church, and her salvation is no longer his priority. And I was like, oh, he's for sure a Southern Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Ray and Scarlet do come to the funeral, and Lily is acting weird and invites Scarlet to Bible study. Um. So Ray notices that Lily's being totally weird. So she goes to the bathroom and starts taking painkillers. And I'm like, oh, honey, don't do that. Um, Lily gives a a eulogy. Um, Ray fell asleep during the funeral because painkillers. And Scarlett has to wake her up because it's her turn to speak. She is high as a kite. And stumbles up the aisle. She blames herself again for Jason's death and then stumbles out of the church. Lily is now enraged. Ray goes back to work and Lily comes in and confronts Ray about the drugs that Jason was taking. She tells Ray that she'll never change. And Ray says she doesn't, she understands that Lily is in pain, but her job is not the place to confront her. Which, duh. Right. So Lily screams, quote, I'm not the one in pain. You're the one in pain. Which is the most rational thing to scream when you're crying and acting crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. At least no one yelled, calm down. Mmm. Mm. And I have a surprise. We have an edit of the week. What? I have missed them. So when Lily comes into the bar, Ray is drinking out of a bottle of beer, which she puts under the bar when Lily walks in. Okay. And when Lily leaves, Ray pulls out her drink from under the bar, but this time it's in a pint glass. Oh, okay. She has those little elves under the bar that just, like, poured her drink into a glass. I'm like, here you go. I need an elf. To mm. li- I'm opening a drawer right now. Let me tell you if I pull out a, a pint glass. Nope, just paint. Bummer. <laughs> I tried. So, Scarlet comes to church to talk to Lily, who is slowly evolving um she talks to lily about missing having friends and her a boyfriend etc and lily's like i used to have a boyfriend like that 
he cheated on me and he got me pregnant. And now I believe that God has a special place for the liars. Oh, no, that God has a special place for people that choose to live in the dark. Quote, as for the cowardly, faithless, and sexually the sexually immoral and all the liars, they will end up in a lake that burns with fire and sulfur. Um, End quote. I mean, could you make it sound like less of a party if you're angry? Like, come on. So, uh, Scarlet's like, cool. <laughs> like, what do you say? You know? Scarlet's like, what did I ask? <laughs> Um, and so Lily says that she'll text her and be her friend, whatever, which I'm not sure about the appropriateness of a woman that might be 25, might be 40. Nobody knows. Right. 20 teen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Texting a, a 15 year old girl. Um, and then she tells Scarlett to keep an eye on her mom's pain pills. And I was like, can we not task the child with monitoring her mother's drug intake? Maybe hire a professional for that. You ask an awful lot of all of these people. I know. Um, At dinner, Scarlett says Lily is going to pick her up from school for school the next day. And Ray loses her shit a little. Um, Scarlet tells her that she needs to stop taking pain pills. Um, so the next day, and then she like gets up and leaves. And the next day she never comes home. So Ray picks her up from school in some kind of like, she's in some kind of jealous rage, which I don't get it. Um, Ray says she can't see Lily anymore or go to church anymore. And, of course, Scarlett is like, Mom, you are acting crazy like it's church. Right. Like, <laughs> um, we see Lily waiting outside of the school for Scarlett and then driving away, also in a rage. This is why I really can't tell how old these people are, because they all act like children. Right. Lily goes to Bible study. Poor Todd asks her out on a date again, and she yells at him to leave her alone. Then she immediately apologizes and takes Todd in the church kitchen to have sex on the counter. Oh, okay. But then in the middle of sex on the counter, she has a flashback. And so she pushes him off, throws up in the sink, and then leaves. And I was like, girl, you got to call that, that, you got to download that app, that therapy app. Right. Insert therapy app that wants to sponsor us here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, she runs on the street and has flashbacks having sex with her old boyfriend and then she has a pretty weird flashback about the procedure and then um, finding her mother like dead in their house like she has endured a lot of trauma so yeah, yeah. I don't understand why she's crazy but they need to like take care of that um Uh, at home she packs everything into garbage bags while sinister music plays and there's literally no reason for this they don't ever come back to it (laughs) they just they paid for the rights to this sinister music and they were like where do we need to fit this in 
Then she goes to cry to Preacher about how horrible Ray is. But Preacher won't listen to it because he, quote, warned her. And she led Ray into John Jason's life. And then he tells her to go to church, get on her knees and on her face, and beg God for forgiveness since Jason John's death is all her fault. Um, hey, sir. Excuse me, sir. Fuck you. He is like the worst pastor I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, like he's suddenly making me regret, almost regret the things I said about Joel Osteen. Yeah, he doesn't make me any kind of regret that. <laughs> <laughs> so Lily goes to church. Then she yells at God for not working fast enough. I've been there. It's just a great way to get him out of, off his ass, you know. But, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Motivational yelling. um so then she gets a text that i infer was from scarlet but it was from lily or it was from ray i'm sorry so lily drives to their house ray breaks up with lily and tells her she doesn't want scarlet to see her anymore lily says jason never stood a chance around ray and ray says jason's death is not her fault and it wasn't the drug's fault he took those because he couldn't stand being around the family. And I was like, I have so many questions right now. You are all terrible at giving advice. Right? Um, um, they fight, and then Ray tells Lily not to push her, like, patience or whatever. And so Lily storms out. She's teaching Bible study. It's baptism today. Scarlet's there. And this is where things go full lying off the rails and never really come back. <laughs> oh, yeah, because we've been so stably on the rails to this point. Uh, Lily baptizes everyone in the river. And I was like, don't you have to go to seminary to baptize people and not just be some, like, lunatic off the street? Please, you can get your um, preacher's license online. I've done it before. They get to Scarlet and Lily prays. Um, hold on. I skipped like a whole. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Never mind. Don't. Mm, God. So they get to Scarlet and Lily prays over her. Um, Ray is like driving over the bridge, having flashbacks of the night Jason died. Uh, Lily baptizes her, pulls her up, dunks her down again, pulls her up. Ray Rose runs down the shore, the river shore, the river bank, um, to stop it. Lily is just dunking Scarlet in the water while everybody watches just up and down. <laughs> she really needs to be cleansed. Like this is, this is some deep cleansing. <laughs> um, Lily and Ray fight. Ray pulls Scarlet from the water and wraps her in a blanket while Lily has some kind of emotional breakdown in the river. Um, cut to Lily getting ready for something while praying. Scarlet texts that she can't come to the event. Um, but Lily begs her and tells her to force Ray to bring her to church. Uh, why are you, why are you begging a 15 year old child to do something? Like, I right. can't. Uh, so Scarlet gets ready and like, she's going to go. Um, Ray is packing things in the kitchen and Scarlet comes down to go to church. Um, she and Ray get into a fight and Scarlet walks out. 
Her new grand plan is to steal Jason's truck and drive there. Um, cool. I don't re- don't recommend. Um. Okay. So Ray chases after her on her motorcycle. Preacher and Lily are greeting people. Lily has lost all of her screws by this point. She is full on crazy eye crazy. Um, so this is the dedication of the Bible study building to Lily's mom and John Jason. Maybe the mom is John and the son is Jason. That makes sense. Totally. Um, so Ray pulls up and walks into the church. Lily sees her and says, quote, well, don't just stand there. Um, you're welcome here. You're the guest of honor, in fact. So come up front and join your daughter. Remember the crazy eyes. Yeah. Yeah. You needed to remind me after she said something like that. (laughs) Lily continues her speech and starts talking about black withered souls and then launches into how her brother was murdered and Ray murdered him. And even Preacher at this point is like, uh, Lily? Preacher's (laughs) like, you promised we were only talking about overweight and porn. Those are the only two things we preach about here. (laughs) So Ray and Scarlett get up to leave and Lily casually pulls a gun out of the pulpit. Um, I don't think that's what's put the Bible. Bible's what's supposed to be there. Maybe, maybe sermon notes, a hymnal. Yeah. So everyone is screaming like you do for real. I I can't Um, imagine why they would be. And hiding behind stuff. And Ray, like she's got, Lily's got the gun pointed at Ray and Ray starts begging with her and says that Jason's death wasn't an accident. She just wanted to protect Lily from finding out the truth. Um, we see, we go back to um, the night that John Jason died. And he, Ray and him are fighting um, in the truck. And then Jason stands up on the bridge, screaming about trying to walk the straight and narrow. Um Ray tries to stop him. She, like, begs him to come down. Um, but he jumps. No, no. So, this is the thing. This woman jumps after him to try to save him. Which is why she was so injured. Yeah. Holy moly. Um... Um, Lily starts yelling that she doesn't believe Ray and how the devil twists his words. And Preacher at this point is like, dude, like, please stop. Please stop. Please stop. (laughs) Preacher's Um, like, none of this is in the Bible. Like, that's not even in Laurentians. (laughs) Um, Scarlet starts to beg for her mom's life. And when Lily turns her head to look at her, Ray tackles Lily. They struggle and Ray gets the gun. She goes to, like, get up, but Lily tries to grab the gun, and they struggle again. There's a shot, but we can't see who's hit. Um, Finally, Ray rolls off of Lily, and it's Ray who was shot. Oh, no. 
Scarlet grabs her mom and tries to wake her up. She was the teenager screaming outside in the very beginning. Um, and we cut to Scarlet standing in front of her mother's gravestone with flowers and Lily giving a sermon in jail. She and her daughter, she and her dad are in fact giving the same sermon. Oh, good. Dad in church, Lily from jail. Scarlet is at church because she hasn't had enough emotional trauma, I guess. You know, like you do. Lily says, quote, in the end, everything we do is for God's glory. I can live with that. Then she turns and smiles at the camera. Yikes. Holy shit. The end. Holy shit. Aaron, what did you watch? I know. Well, I don't know how I can follow that. But I can start by putting away my colored pencils. You should get All right, well, so... Paint me a memoir. I would love to, as one of my students once wrote, seat down and I will tell you a memoir. <laughs> um, so... Seat... <laughs> I forgot that's where that came from. Oh, my God. So I um, did some research, and then I did some more research, and then I did some more research. And when Mm -hmm. I got to the ninth page of Google and nobody could figure out this story, I figured Lifetime did that thing where they said it's based or inspired by real events or whatever they do to say all of these words can go together a cause. A cause. <laughs> now, according to a Bustle article I found, um, in an interview with Daytime Confidential, the writers um, worked on... Um, like, worked on this and did a ton of research. They said, quote... We changed names and places in order to protect the families, but the real story is every bit as gruesome. Danny and I dug into all of the backstories, newspaper articles, footage, trial transcripts, all of it. And you would think that if a case were this crazy, where a preacher's daughter tried to avenge the death of her twin brother, like this would be pretty easily identifiable. In the church. Uh-huh. With other people there. Yes. But page nine of Google had nothing for me. And by the time you're on that ninth O, you know you're desperate. Yeah. <laughs> so um, instead, I did a couple of shallow dives into cases um, that involved preacher's daughters. Excellent. So, the first... Look, PKs in general are the worst kids. Oh, yeah. And these two are wonderful. So, um, the first one I want to talk about is named Hannah Stone. Um, I got information about her from Oxygen. And then from a show that I think is on Oxygen called Women in Prison, Real Talk. And so, I watched her interview on this show about her life in prison you know what that sounds like or what I thought of when you said that? What? Street smarts! <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Um, God, if you don't watch John Mulaney, like, just go do it. You'll be busy for the next week. I do, too. So when Hannah Stone was 17 years old, she began dating uh, a man named Spencer Krimpitz, who was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Tea and Krimpitz, you said? Yes, yes, I did. Tea and Krimpitz. And so uh, the thing is that Hannah's mom did not like tea or crumpets. <laughs> um, well, her name you can't have it all. Hannah's mom, Barbara Keim, tried to break them up because of Crumpets's drug use and um, his, quote, bad influence. Crumpets are known for being very bad influences. I heard that. Um, mm-hmm. So I never could find where... Um, I never could find where it said Hannah was a preacher's daughter in any of this, but in her interview, like with this TV show, she said everyone knew her as the preacher's daughter. And in a couple of the articles I saw, they refer to her as the preacher's daughter, but like, there's no information about her dad on here. So I'm just assuming he's a preacher. He's just the preacher. Right. There's no way to know. Like it. Yeah. So, um. In the summer of 2005, uh, Barbara Jo Keim, the mother, her life was in flux. She was getting divorced. She'd recently moved to a new city. Um, She was working as a nurse in a hospital, and then she was raising her children. Um, She had a five-year-old named Timothy, and then her teenage daughter, Hannah. Um, Well, I don't like Hannah already. Right. Despite everything that was going on at home, like, despite all of the um, unsteadiness, she was well-liked around town, at work, and at her church. Um, So, unfortunately, though, her relationship with her daughter was very strained. The two argued and fought often, frequently about Hannah's relationship with Tian Crumpets. Um, He came with, as this article said, quote, intense personal baggage having grown up in an abusive household and was sexually molested when he was five years old. Now, none of that makes him a bad person. And I didn't think it was important that this newspaper reported that. That And that's why I wanted to talk about. Why is is that like... I don't think that's... Why is that bad? I don't think that's what the mom had issues with. And I'm just like, this was a small-ass town newspaper that was like, I know how to get some readers... Say baggage. He is perfect. He's perfect for religion. Right? Because you know they love those, like, they, I went from... They all fucked being, up people like me, yeah. Mm-hmm, they love it. <laughs> They'll put him on the stage at every revival. Um, he was super intelligent, but he got bad grades because he, I'm going to guarantee you, had shitty teachers who didn't know how to recognize um, giftedness. Um he concur with you on that. Yeah. He attended 13 different schools while he was like between kindergarten and 12th grade. So an average of a different school every year. Um, Why? I have no idea. And he started drinking alcohol regularly in elementary school. That reminds me of Drew Barrymore. Yeah. By the time he was a teenager, he was a frequent marijuana smoker, but he was also dabbling in heroin and LSD. 
And he left home at the age of 16 and was like basically couch surfing at his friends' houses. So. This, I'm just sad for this guy. Yeah. Well, you're going to yeah, change. Yeah, mom, I'd be like, maybe don't date the person that's hooked on heroin. Right. But it's like a human being and be like, but also I'm concerned about this person. So we should probably try to help them. Right. Exactly. Um, so in early August of 2005, um, the battle between the mother and daughter came to a head. Um, Kaim walked in, the mom walked in on um, Hannah with crimpets in her bed and mom flipped her shit and said, um, basically she said, you live under my rules. You're going to do as I say, you live under my roof. So you're going to follow my rules. You'll do as I say. And mm-hmm. Hannah said, yeah. well, I don't have to live under your roof and packed her shit and left. I'm like, bye. Um, I just, I don't ever understand. I understand being angry with your children when they do dumb stuff. Right. But I never understand. And even going back to my own parents who have volatile tempers who people who just scream and lose their shit on their kids like that is not a good way to build a good relationship with your child right um so go scream into a pillow and then have a rational conversation right so um (laughs) this quote the teenage couple brought closer by their perceived persecution seethed with rage at the injustice of it all and concocted a plan to exact vengeance upon the source of their anger. Barbara Jo Kine. This is, this is also why you should not blow up at your teenager because they're fucking stupid and yeah, they're impulsive. seethe with anger and plan your murder. Um, so... Crumpets kept a uh, a series of <laughs> journals in while he was in prison that the newspaper like got a hold of and quoted. Um, and he said in his article, or I mean in his journal, she was in the way of my affairs. Eventually, talk turned to robbery and murder, both of which he'd long been fascinated with. In his journal, he wrote... <laughs> In his journal, he wrote, I wanted to kill. The money was just a bonus. And that's why I stopped feeling bad for him. Yeah, I'm officially (laughs) off the train of wanting to help this kid. Um, Now, I think he needs help. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to be the person that tries to help him. That's for the professionals. A day before the murder, Stone and Krimpitz went to the home of a friend, Aaron McDonald, who was also 17, to hang out, get high, and enlist him in their plans to rob and kill Barbara Keim. Um, quote, she said that her mother, she said that her and her mother didn't get along. Hannah's mom wouldn't let her and Spencer be together. McDonald later testified, according to the Elkhart Truth, which was the newspaper, this small town newspaper I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Um, so were they getting high on heroin? I have no idea. It didn't say. I just can't imagine someone like all mellowed out on like marijuana being like, let's go kill someone. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, you know, it'd be funny right now. <laughs> <laughs> so and because he's 17. Oh, 
This is such a 17-year-old sentence. So at first he said he wasn't interested, but he later agreed to help because they offered him $400 and a gun. Look, <laughs> they need to teach a class in school about valuing yourself right. <laughs> as an employee of someone and knowing your worth when you accept a job. Yes. <laughs> I see you writing. <laughs> um, so the following night, August 4th of 2005, Kime was home alone. Um, the five-year-old son, Timothy, was with his father. The divorce had just been finalized. She heard a knock on her apartment door. It was Hannah saying she needed to pick up some clothes. Once she opened the door, Krimpitz ran in and tackled her. Quote, she was screaming, McDonald testified. And then he pulled out his gun and told her to be quiet. So, according to court documents, Krimpitz then bound Kime's arms and then nope. covered her eyes and mouth all with duct tape. Oh, no. Yeah. Then they retrieved her ATM card and got her pin. And while Hannah stayed behind as a decoy to reassure anyone who had heard her mother's screams, like make up a story, oh, she's just doing, I don't know, her workout tapes and they hurt sometimes, you know, like some kind of bullshit, like she's a 17 year old would come up with. doing rage yoga. <laughs> I think I would like rage yoga. It's a thing. I know. Um, so, um, while she is standing outside as a decoy, um, the boyfriend and the new friend, Aaron loaded, uh, Barbara into a van and drove to a local shopping mall. And then, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh because this is horrible. Um, they take the ATM card into the mall where the ATM is and, um, they keep putting in the pin, but they're only able to get $200. So, well, you also need a class in high school where they teach you how to use ATM machines. <laughs> right. Um, so they drove for what felt like hours, according to McDonald. Um, they eventually stopped the van. They take McDo uh, they take Aaron's gun. They march Kime into the middle of a cornfield. In his prison diaries, Krimpitz claimed that he told her to recite the Lord's Prayer. When she finished, he asked if she'd said amen. Then he shot her once in the back of the head, killing her instantly. At least she didn't suffer that's... while dying. Mm -hmm. I mean, she did definitely before. Oh, that's horrible. Krampitz also originally intended to kill Aaron McDonald and blame him for the whole thing. Instead... They decided to... He was shot by a random stranger, but he definitely shot her first. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, instead, they decided to split the $200 and spend it on cigarettes, marijuana, and rolling papers. Sure. Um, so Krimpitz and McDonald then drove back to Kime's apartment to meet up with Hannah. Quote, he said he was going to have sex with Hannah in Mrs. Kime's bed. He said he was going to sleep in her bed. McDonald testified uh, at the trial. Quote, he said it felt good to take someone's soul. Once they got there, the trio got high. McDonald said that Stone was giddy and excited, at one point saying, quote, I love that my mom's dead. 
That is really gross. Uh-huh. Who? I, mm, I, mm, I, mm. So. Why would you? Mm, okay. So the next day, the mom doesn't show up to pick up. Uh, she didn't go to work and didn't pick up her son. So her sister reported her missing. Um, and at that point, Hannah's considered missing as well. Friends and family hand out flyers and speak to reporters to publicize the case. Meanwhile, unhappy that he'd been shortchanged $300, um, Aaron McDonald returns to the apartment the day after the murder. Idiot. And steals a check where he makes it out to himself for $800. And he's going to try to buy marijuana and cocaine with that $800. I, I, his plan is so flawed. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I know. I knew I, you would eat this case up. Crime scene. Don't try to cash a check written by you impersonating someone that you killed. Right. So That is a really bad idea. I know this is going to shock you, but when he went to cash it, the um, the cashier was like, and this is just me editorializing, but I'm sure it's true. She looked at it and she was like, oh, hey, we keep the $800 bills in the back. So let me just go back there real quick. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she calls the cops real quick and the cops show up and arrest him. And he's like, I don't know how this happened. Like, I just mowed her lawn. <laughs> so, um, better. Immediately, like, as soon as the cops start questioning him, it's not even like they had to interrogate him very long. He just sits down in the chair and he's like, okay, I'll tell you everything. We killed her. Like, just, bleh. I'm sorry. Um, I it. so he told them exactly what had happened and where to find her body. So, um, the Hannah and, uh, T and Crumpets and McDonald all get arrested on August 8th. Um, so three days after the murder, um, Hannah and Crumpets had been hiding out in a motel. They were found in possession of Barbara's belongings because teenagers are all fucking idiots. Indeed. Um, so... They, um, let's see, on March 10th of 2006, um, the, uh, Crumpets is, uh, has pled, pled guilty on all counts and, mm -hmm. um, he is sentenced to life without parole and received an additional 65 years for two other counts against him, uh, related to possession. Sorry, I just knocked into my mic. Um, okay. Oh, no, sorry. Um, his other charges were... Con so, they were all charged with murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and criminal confinement. Um, I thought that there was possession, but that was a different case I read about and dropped, out, dropped from this. Okay. Um, anyway, so then prosecutors agreed to drop the life sentences against Hannah and Aaron in exchange for them pleading guilty on all charges. 
So in April of 2006, Aaron McDonald receives a 62-year prison sentence, and um, Hannah receives 100 years in prison and was ordered ordered to have no contact with her younger brother. Her earliest it's not life. It's a hundred years. You're fine. Her earliest possible release date is twenty fifty three, at which point she'll be sixty five years old because they didn't take parole off the table for her. Um Aaron will be eligible for parole in twenty thirty six. So um, so Hannah went on to be on this special that I told you about or on this show. Um, and yeah. she, um, talks about a, like, she actually really is very remorseful and like, there's a very big, like I was an idiot and I was a teenager and what the fuck was wrong with me kind of theme running throughout everything she says. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks a lot about having no family and how she knows it's all her fault. And it was, It was actually pretty hard to watch because, Mm -hmm. like, I didn't do anything that stupid when I was 17, but if I had to today keep paying for the things I'd done when I was 17, I can't even imagine because I was a fucking idiot. I am. They're called student loans. (laughs) Yikes. All right. Now on to Blanche Taylor Moore, who... Is another preacher's daughter. This one is a black widow killer. Or like is a black widow. Excellent. Yes. Um, so in October of 1990, an unimaginable murder trial was the talk of North Carolina. Oh, by the way, uh, sources I used with her, Wikipedia and uh, ABC 11 had a really good article on her and a couple of other places. But um, so... At the time, she was 57 years old. Blanche Kaiser Tyler Moore, Taylor Moore, um, was a middle-aged churchgoer. Mary Tyler Moore. (laughs) Right? By the way, that's my all-time favorite show. Um, She was a middle-aged churchgoer with a grandmotherly appearance and a cool demeanor. And the last person you'd suspect of being a serial killer. I mean, that actually is the first person <laughs> right? I would expect to be a serial killer. Um, what do I know? The sheriff from the county where she was arrested said, quote, we're talking about an average, ordinary neighborhood lady. And I was like, what does that mean? Look, this is just those same people that are like, Jeffrey Dahmer seemed totally normal. Yeah, his house smelled terrible. Did you see that meme I sent y'all yesterday? Jeffrey Dahmer, the people number? Oh, I love that one. (laughs) I love that one. Um, I mean, you are the meme queen. Usually you've seen it before I have, but... I am the meme queen. Um, They just make me laugh, like, so much. So, um... Moore was on trial for the 1986 arsenic poisoning death of her boyfriend, Raymond Carlton Reed Sr. Because, you know, some guys just can't hold their arsenic. Right. Um, So a book would be written called Preacher's Girl and a TV movie made called Black Widow Murders, the Blanche Taylor Moore story. Um, And so she, uh, 
as it comes out, is suspected of methodically poisoning at least four other people close to her, going back as far as 1966. So, fast forward to today, Moore is 87 years old and is the oldest person on North Carolina's death row. She will likely die of cancer, which she's had before, or of natural causes, than dying from her crimes. Um... Well, I I call into question, like, the morality of putting, like, an, an, a really old elderly person to death. Right. But I'm not very pro-death penalty to begin with. So. Right. Um, so she was born Blanche Kaiser in 1933. Um, but in Concord, North Carolina, she spent much of her adult life in Alamance County, which is where most of this takes place. Um, and she seemed perfectly normal. She was the daughter of a preacher. She went to church. She had children and grandchildren and worked for many years at Kroger. Like she was the sweet little cashier. They all seem normal. Right. What even is normal? There's no such thing actually. Um, so It was at this grocery store that Blanche Taylor, who was married in 1952, but widowed in 1973, met and later began dating Reed, who was a divorced store manager. Hmm. Okay. So, um, while she was dating this store manager, she rose to head cashier, which is the highest point a woman could hold at the time. And North Carolina, 1973, is too late for that. Um, Well, I think 2020 is too late for me to still be paid 80 cents on the dollar. So listen, you're not wrong. I know. Um, So uh, She was said to be a good employee, but in several interviews, co-workers called her things like vindictive and two-faced. So she was real popular is what I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So they worked for together for years at Kroger beginning in 1962, but they didn't begin a romantic relationship until 1979. I don't know that I believe that, but okay. Um, Whatever. So, um, According to court testimony, Reed told a uh, Kroger co-worker that he and Blanche, quote, probably would have been married, except she wanted to be there next to her family. Uh, And part of that is because Kroger made Reed move around several times. Like, he would be the store manager at several locations and, like, fix Mm -hmm. them and then come back to the home base. And she didn't want to move around, um, was his argument. Um, So... She finally left Kroger in 1985. A couple. Think of this shit. Right. So she leaves in October of 1985, and that New Year's Eve, just a couple months later, um, she has Ray Reed over for dinner, and she serves him some homemade potato soup. On January 1st, 1986, he rang in the New Year with severe nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Reed, who was not known as someone who got sick often, missed more than four weeks of work during the next few months. And so he okay. was, um, he, f- mm. 
It just says his career ended at Kroger on May 29th, 1986. I don't know if they, like, if he used all of his sick days and so they let him go or, like, what happened with that or if he was just too sick to work. Yeah. So less than five months. So he seems to be able to hold his arsenic okay. Yeah. Well, less than five months later, he dies at the Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem. I spoke too soon. Um, puzzled physicians initially attribute his uh, death for, in October 7th of 1986 um, to Guillain-Barre syndrome. Okay. Because they couldn't find any other explanation. Um, it would take another remarkable case of poisoning, suffering, and survival this time to explain Reed's mysterious demise. Uh-oh. So... Um, <laughs> on Easter Sunday of 1985, um, Blanche now meets a, uh, Reverend Dwight Moore, who is, uh, divorced and who, um, comes to do a sermon at her church. Mm-hmm. So this is, hold on, let me get my timeline right. So she meets him Easter of 1985. She quits Kroger of October of 85. She poisons Ray January 1st of 96. Okay. So, timeline of things. Um, so the relationship like moves very quickly after this. And the two get married April 19th of 1989. As soon as they come back from their honeymoon, he gets violently ill. Ill? Like, he gets one violent ill. (laughs) God, my Texas is so strong. I feel so ill. Um, So he gets violently ill after eating. I understood what you were saying perfectly. Um, He gets violently ill after eating a chicken sandwich that his new wife made for him. Maybe she's just a bad cook. Curiouser and curiouser. Um, so several weeks later, he is at North Carolina Memorial Hospital in Chapel Hill. Um, he was near death at the Chapel Hill Hospital, hooked to a ventilator. His liver, kidneys, and heart were failing, and he was not expected to live. So finally, as a last measure, doctors ordered tests for herbicide poisoning. Uh, her, um, because he had used the chemicals before his illness. Like he was known to garden a lot and might have uh-huh. somehow hurt him, you know, like inhaled the chemicals. Oh. So the yeah. results revealed a hundred times the normal amount of arsenic seen in a living person. So this man can in fact hold his arsenic. He can. <laughs> The ho- Good job. The hospital immediately alerts police who come to interview him as he lay on his supposed deathbed. Miraculously, he survives, though. Like, he recovers and is able to testify against her. Good. Well, I think after, if they catch it, like, soon enough, they know how to, like, counteract... Right. ...the effects, and then, yeah. Um, so, this discovery leads to an investigation... They hear Dwight Moore's story, and then they be- begin probing into uh, Blanche's background. 
They discover, like I said, that her first husband, as well as Reed, had died under suspicious circumstances. So authorities dig up, and I mean, they're just like exhuming everybody. Like, hide your kids, hide your wife. They're exhuming everybody out here. Because they... Hide your kids, hide your wife. (laughs) They exhume her father, her first husband's mother, her first husband, and a former co-worker, as well as the previous boyfriend, Reed. Two of those those exhumed bodies, those of her father who died in 66 and her mother-in-law had high levels of arsenic, but not lethal doses. Um, Anymore? Right. And then um, the co-worker um, did not have elevated levels of arsenic. I like how they were like, look, she probably didn't like this cashier either. Let's check him too. Like, <laughs> um, uh, this chick beat her out for the promotion to head cashier four times so. <laughs> but autopsies revealed a new cause of death for reed who had arsenic 30 levels 30 times higher than normal and her first husband james taylor who died at the age of 45 his arsenic levels were 60 times higher yeah james taylor james james taylor <laughs> Like that, James Taylor? No, uh uh-uh. uh. Oh. <laughs> That's like the day. Okay, so there was this guy a couple years ago on The Bachelorette. His name is James Taylor. And he was a singer and he was a terrible singer. And I was like, no. <laughs> you might be James Taylor, but you are no James Taylor. James Taylor, yeah. <laughs> and now he just posts like extremely. Uh, racist and conservative shit on his Twitter. So oh, good, him. perfect. Um, so on July eighteenth, nineteen eighty nine, authorities arrest Blanche and charge her with the first group for first degree murder and the deaths of her husband James Taylor and of the boyfriend Reed, and assault with a deadly weapon in the poisoning of Dwight Moore, which mm-hmm. I. Okay. I don't know. Assault well, that's the... how they charge. They charge people like that guy that had that knowingly had AIDS and was giving it to his partners. Right. And they charged him. I guess it's easier. With, well, they to... charged him with attempted murder, but they, t- they took, who was it? Usher to court for continuing to have sex with women knowing he had herpes. And they, they called it assault with a deadly weapon. Wow, I had no idea. I guess that's easier to prove than intent to kill, which is what I would have defaulted to. So that makes sense, but still. Um, so on 1990, in October 1990, she goes to trial for the death of Raymond Reed, the boyfriend. Okay. Um, the prosecution gets a boost in the case just days before the trial when the uh, judge rules that prosecutors can discuss the poisonings like the other poisonings. Uh-huh. Um, so even though so she... her poor dad is just dead and has elevated, but not elevated enough. Yeah. And so, and they mention, um, her dad and they mention, um, like 
they mentioned that case and I wonder if it has to do with the fact that because the mother-in-law and the dad were old or like were older that if they died from complications related, related to the poisoning to, instead of yeah yeah okay. and so that's why they're not um charging any of the former cases but they can talk about how they all have these elevated arsenic levels um so um on may 30th 1986 um as Reed's condition worsened, he was admitted. So the trial's going on. And uh, then they start getting these, like, horrific um, testimonies. And so one of them comes from um, when he was admitted to the hospital. When Reed was admitted to the hospital on May 30th, 1986, um, he had trouble keeping down solid food, according to uh, the doctor. And so Mm -hmm. by June 5th, though, he'd gotten better and Reed and uh, the doctor told Reed while Blanche was there that he might be able to go home within a week. And then immediately he turns deathly ill and is transferred to a new hospital. At the new hospital. That's giving him arsenic in his hospital room. uh Uh-huh. So at his new hospital, he gets the the preliminary diagnosis of Guillain-Barre, um, the, the doctor runs many tests, but never saw the results of one that might have saved Reed's life, which is a urine sample taken between June 27th and June 28th that showed quite elevated levels of arsenic. Um, oh. However, again, Reed improves. And so according to court records, Blanche sought and got permission from Dr. Hamilton to bring Reed food from home. So soon after, he suffers a serious setback. No way. I know. Um, and so one of the nurse or the head nurse in the ICU says that she saw Blanche feeding Reed uh, banana pudding one day. And then a couple days later, he was in acute respiratory distress. The nurse reported that Reed grabbed her and said, please help me or I'm going to die. So the nurse then testifies that Blanche often brought Reed food from home, such as iced tea, frozen yogurt, milkshakes, and soups. Um, Reed's son comes and testifies that when he went to go visit his father um, on October 4th of that year, that um, he walked in on Blanche feeding his father breakfast. And... um, So that was on October 4th. He said he comes back on October 6th because he got a call that his dad was doing poorly. Um, And he said his dad was bloated and his eyeballs were even starting to swell and his skin was splitting. Mm. Yeah. Uh So Reed continues to get weaker. He's um, pronounced dead the next morning um, and blamed the death, like I said, on complications from Guillain-Barre. Um, according to several witnesses, Blanche told doctors in the moments after Reed's death that, quote, we cannot have an autopsy. He's been through too much. We wouldn't want to, he wouldn't want to be cut on like this. We just, we cannot have one. Look, this is like red flag. 3,466. Yeah. yeah. I, if I was a doctor, I'd be like, uh, definitely order an autopsy. <laughs> 
So I was looking at that um, Twitter account, Lifetime Sentence Out of Context, which uh-huh. I love whenever it gets updated because you, I'm sure you're like me. We don't remember the shit that we've said. So then to watch it out of mm-hmm. context, I'm like, I have no clue what that related to. But yeah, one of them from way back said, um, do you remember all those red flags? Well, now they've had babies. <laughs> like, and that's what I feel <laughs> like is going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so when Reed's body is exhumed, finally, an autopsy performed reveals clearly recognizable lines across the fingernails of both hands, um, which are consistent with arsenic poisoning, um, and, um, that the his liver showed um, arsenic levels 30 times higher than one might see in an average individual. And in his brain tissue, it was 67 times higher than normal. Wow. Yeah. Um, the arsenic levels in his hair sample were roughly 70 times the normal level. My God. So they put her on the stand and asked her, like, point blank, did you put arsenic... Did you give arsenic to either of your husbands or to Reed? And um, she's like, no, no, not that I remember. G- gave him Jello once. Like she is committed to this. They like it when you kiss them when they're <laughs> sleeping, officer. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I mean, speaking of red flags, you reminded me of a meme that I read this week. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, the type of men I'm attracted to tall red flags, red flags with brown eyes, red flags that make me laugh, red flags that are emotionally unavailable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, um. So, I mean, just after so much testimony, um, everybody has seen this woman feeding food to everyone in the hospital. I mean, like, she just, she must have gotten that shit at Sam's Club in bulk. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Where would you even buy arsenic? Like, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know that answer either. So, she, um... Needless to say, is found guilty. And so um, she's sentenced to death. But 10 days later, she got a stay of execution pending an appeal. And in this appeal, her defense argues that she had not received a fair trial because the other deaths should not have been allowed as evidence. I beg to differ. <laughs> Her defense team says, quote, connecting the deaths of James Taylor with that of Raymond Reed and illness of Dwight Moore, unless they make that direct connection, then the evidence is clearly not admissible. The direct connection being that she fed them all this stuff and they all died or almost died of arsenic poisoning? Right. Well, Is that the direct connection they mean? Well, and then they were like, and you click... <laughs> I'm sorry. It gets so good. They go, and you can't connect those deaths because look, and they, they bring out this confession letter that was written by a quote homeless man who confessed 
Quill confesses to the murders. By the way, he's dead at this point, but he thought to write a confession letter that talks about how he is in love with Blanche Moore. And so he had to take all the men out of her life so that she, he could be the only man in her life. And so a handwriting analyst comes in and rules with a 99% degree of certainty that Blanche Moore wrote it. But they're like, but we got this confession letter. It's not even a good story. (laughs) Not even a good story. It's just so bad. I'm like, I want to encourage criminal activity, but just do better. better oh man you should Um, all know how to wipe stuff down without a a trace of you ever being there by now and so the uh in 1994 the high court concludes that moore had received a fair trial and rejects the defense's motions and basically doesn't let them appeal anymore um because they're like this the supreme court basically says like you're all fucking idiots. Clearly these men, like these cases are all related. I understand you saying it's circumstantial and yes, that is by definition circumstantial, but it still all matters. Like have a great day. Case closed. They're like judge Chrissy and they hit the gavel and then everyone dances. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so that is the absolutely bananas case of, uh, Blanche Taylor Moore. Um, like I said, there was a, a TV movie in 1993 that aired on NBC um, that starred Elizabeth Montgomery of Bewitched fame um, mm-hmm. as Blanche Ty- Taylor Moore. Um, the movie is called Black Widow Murders, the Blanche Taylor Moore story. And I've got to look this up. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> you gotta. So, Sorry, those are not related. <laughs> I am so like comparing glad. apples and <laughs> Mack trucks and apples. apples. <laughs> I mean apples and no apples. <laughs> Sorry, what I, like I meant to say friend. was oranges and oranges. Damn it! Yeah, or like they said on Friends. They're as different as night and later that night. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So all that to say, I am so grateful that the movie you watched was not really based on anything so that I could read this delightful story. Yeah. Love it. I'm also glad it wasn't based on anything because it was so crazy. It's like... It, in fact, your story was as crazy as the um, the other one we did that was based on a true story that was the sisters and and they did the Candace Cameron Bure thing and switched lives and then one oh, of them got yeah. and then one of them died <laughs> and then the other one just continued like, to be to her sister the forever. murderer. Mm-hmm. So because the, the guy meant to kill her and not her sister and so she had to find him before he found her and right. he found her and then there was like a random fight scene and uh, it's a sister secret right Is yes that one? that's it a sister secret go listen that, that oh my god 
All right. Do you know what we're watching next week? Nope. Good. We'll figure that out. <laughs> Here. Oh, okay. I'll pull it on up. Pick a number between 1 and 35. God, that feels so short in the grand scheme of we want to do this show for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say 3. Oh, no. Oh, what is it? It's Girl in a Box. No, redraw. No. <laughs> we live and die by the draw. Damn it. It is Girl, like, I will even, look, you can see, it is literally number three. Oh, my God. I did not cheat. There, you, I, hey, you made me watch. I wrote it in a notebook. With a sad face. <laughs> sad face. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, it's going to be a while, but I, these movies tend to be either like really, really good or really terrible. Yeah. And so they're always fun to talk about. Yeah, sure. Your half is always really fun to talk about. <laughs> I'm the one who gets to sit at home, lonely, depressed and crying while I read all the true stories. <laughs> You have heard this true story before. None of it should come as a shock. I know. This case is pretty famous. Is it though? I don't yeah. know it. Survive. No, I know. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't die. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible story. Yes. It doesn't die. Well, there's that at least. Take a week to get. I'm really pumped. I've been wanting to do this one forever. So excited. All right. Well, we need to get off of here so we can record a couple of Patreon episodes. Yuppers. Um, All right. So where can the people find us? At my house and at your house because we're social distancing. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram <laughs> at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Um, you can email us at lifetimesinitspodcast at gmail.com and go visit the website that Paul sometimes updates. It updates automatically now. Oh, that's right. Hey, nice. At lifetimesinitspodcast.com. And also, please join our Patreon. We, I'm having the best time. So tonight I'm going to do the last episode that's aired of the Windsors. And then I guess I'm going to make it up. From here. Well, there you go. Yep. Um, and you are just telling stories. I'm excited. I am. The, uh, for next week, the, I'm mm-hmm. doing an unsolved murder. Excellent. So. I'm excited. I am too. Okay. Until then. Don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.